Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the award winning Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring otherwise. I'm going to give you a minute to sit down before I start this one. Okay, ready? A couple of weeks ago, I went on a date. Nothing particularly shocking about that statement, as I go on literally hundreds of dates a year. A handsome stallion of a man such as myself being single in a big city means there's plenty of potential suitors out there for me to go out with and be disappointed by. No, the shocking bit here is that I didn't include the word bad, because it wasn't a bad date. The constant stream of disappointment might have worn my standards down a bit, but I'd even go so far as to say it was actually a really good date. He was handsome and charming and chatty, and there was the perfect mix of interesting conversation, weapons-grade flirting, and, eventually, some hardcore banging that definitely put things into the good date category. Which is, frankly, a bit weird. I'm much more used to bad dates, although it takes quite a bit of effort to get into genuinely bad date territory. Usually these things land somewhere in Boring Town or Fine But No Chemistryville, which is on the border of bad dates land, but certainly not the capital city. A fine example of this was someone I had dinner with years ago. We went out and it was alright, I guess. He was nice enough. It was like having dinner with a relative I didn't see very often, you know. Not much to talk about, conversation was polite, but it wasn't scintillating. Until on the tube home, when I mentioned I was going to have to change tube lines to get to my house, and he realised I wasn't going home with him, he actually started to cry. On the tube. In public. Loudly. It was proper ugly crying. He was red, there was snot. All of this because I didn't want to go home with him. Which should have been flattering, I suppose, but I'm English. We don't do human emotions in public or anywhere else other than tutting at people. Which, incidentally, is how we signify that we hate you and want you to burn. But still. You know, I tried explaining to this guy that I wasn't really feeling it and that there was no chemistry, but that just made the crying louder. And then we started getting tuts from the other people in the carriage. I'm honestly not sure to this day if they were tutting at him for making a noise and showing emotions or at me for being a heartless monster and not wanting to go home with him. Luckily, just as all this was building up and the rest of the carriage were about to shame me into marrying him just to shut him up, the tube doors opened and I got off. It wasn't my stop, I was miles from home, but fuck that noise, I'll walk. To be honest, that's a bit of an extreme example, really. The more usual thing is people who are just really hard to talk to but think that they're being really arch or mysterious. Like, a witty answer to a question is great. I love a bit of wit. It's much more fun than just a robotic kind of interview question-answer session. You know, like, state name, state job, state maximum number of implements to be used during sex. But a key part of the witty answer is giving the fucking answer. If I have to ask you the same question twice because first time you were being witty but useless, I'm gonna start thinking of ways to get out of there. One guy I had drinks with was, I think, trying to cultivate a bit of mystique by being charmingly oblique whenever I asked him a question, which might be fun in theory, but in reality it made the conversation like pulling teeth. All he cultivated was my urge to drown him in his pint. At one point I asked what he did for a living, and he actually said, if I told you I'd have to kill you, 
My first thought was, oh god yes, do it now, bullet between the eyes, let's get this done. Although I did end up shagging him. Not because the date got any better, but just sometimes you sit through an hour or two of painful conversation and think, you know what, fuck it, I've given my night up for this, he's cute and kind of sexy, I might as well see him naked and maybe get an orgasm out of it. Which is probably the wrong attitude to take because I'm reinforcing the the wrong behaviour. But since my parole officer says bad dates don't count towards community service, I'm going to want to get something out of it, even if it's just ten minutes of awkwardness and then a trip to the clap clinic. Besides which, sex is often a great way to shut someone up. It depends what you stick in their mouth, of course. The thing is, with the good date guy, I'm really not sure what to do next. This is genuinely new territory for me. Part of me was thinking, quick, buy a dog and move in with him. Marry the fucker. Whatever it takes, lock him down before he meets someone else or dies horribly or just realises that you're an awful person. Whatever. But then another part of me is a lot more cynical and jaded and knows that it might have been a fluke or a one-off or some particularly strong gin. What if I spend more time with him and it destroys the facade of the good date? It's like having a slice of cake. No matter how tasty and moist... Oh, I hate that word. Moist and pert that slice of cake might have been. A second helping isn't going to be as good and, you know, you'll start to feel sick. That's not to say I'm not going to see him again, of course. I have next to no impulse control when it comes to putting things in my mouth, so I'm not only having the second slice of cake, I'm probably going to eat the rest of the thing as well. Because moderation is for schoolgirls and diabetics. Back to bad dates, and I think the absolute worst date I went on, or I should actually say the absolute worst date I've been on so far, shouldn't I? Let's not tempt fate. Was with a guy I'd actually been seeing for quite a while, maybe a couple of months, you know? I'd actually started thinking of him as potential boyfriend material, which was quite exciting. I've never thought about a guy like that, well, apart from Jason Momoa, obviously. But I'd never thought about a guy I'd met and who liked me like that before. So, yeah, we hung out one day, we went shopping for something or other, and then we went for a drink, you know, just generally spending time together. We made out a bit, it was nothing salacious, but nice enough. When we were in the pub and it was his round, I asked for a gin and tonic and then popped off to the toilet while it was at the bar. When I came back, there were two pints of beer on the table. Oh, did did you get me a beer? I asked, a bit confused. He looked shifty and said, No, I got talking to a guy at the bar and he bought them. Oh, he bought us both beers, that's nice, if a bit weird. No, that one's his. He's just paying for them now. You should probably go. That actually happened to me. I think they ended up getting married eventually, so I'm glad things turned out for the best. Wait, sorry, I pronounced that wrong. I hope they choke on their own smug. I mean, I'm fine with everyone getting there happily ever after and whatever, but I don't remember signing up to be the witty comic relief in someone else's rom-com. What about me? Where's my happy ending? Although, to be honest, I've been single for so long at this point that I'm not entirely certain what I'd do if I found myself on a continuing string of good dates with one guy. I mean, I'm sure I can make room in my brain for more positive responses first thing in the morning than just, yeah, you again, what? But I've no idea what comes next, all that feelings and stuff. A good mate of mine and his boyfriend are disgustingly happy and actually both really buff. I'd definitely watch porn with them in it. Anyway, I asked them how they got together and they looked at each other and smiled and he said, I realised I loved him when we were doing lines of coke off one another's dicks in a cubicle at heaven. And if that's what it takes, I'm destined to be single forever. Heaven? You can fuck right off. Here's the thing, though. Being single forever isn't a bad thing. I know we're all conditioned to believe that our lives are lacking until we find the one person to spend it with, and that somehow they complete us, as if we're all just big, fleshy jigsaw puzzles or something, but it's not true. One of the reasons I don't settle 
and that I'm okay with a bad date being a bad date and then just walking away and not trying to stick with it and power through and make something out of it is that I'm already in a relationship with a guy. Me. And you know what? I think I might be the one. I know how stupid this sounds, but think about it. Whoever else is around you, you can't rely on them being there forever, and you certainly shouldn't rely on them to make you happy or to feel worthy. That's not their job. It's your job to make you happy. Making other people responsible for your happiness is a recipe for disappointment and misery. I'm not saying don't find happiness in your relationships with others, just make sure you have it in your relationship with yourself, too. The only person you're going to spend your entire life with is you, so you might as well enjoy it. In fact, when you're having a relationship with someone else, you're still having that relationship with yourself. It's not like you disappear into this other person. Oh, there's an image. Anyway, if you're anything like me, then you're far more critical of yourself than anyone else is. Consider the way you think of yourself for a moment. Think about the way that you refer to yourself in the privacy of your own head. If you heard someone else talk like that about you or about a mate of yours in the same way that you think about yourself, you'd be shocked, right? So if you're not going to allow others, why allow it from yourself? Give yourself permission to like yourself. Just for a minute, allow yourself to be good enough. Even if it's just for a second, shush the critical, nasty voices in your head and replace them with supporting, loving thoughts. You are good enough as you are. And then practice. Start there and really practice loving yourself for a few seconds each time until you can build it up and it's minutes. And then you build and build and build until it's hours. Christ, if you can do that, you're doing us better than me. It takes practice, but it's so worth it. That way, you don't have to settle for an okay date and just make do. You can hold out for something fucking spectacular without feeling like you're getting desperate. Because that's what you deserve. Someone who ticks all your boxes. And, you know, you tick your own boxes. Or you should. And, you know, that's why I'm not putting all my eggs in one bastard with this guy. We had a good date, and I hope we'll have more. But if not, then I still have me, and I'm pretty awesome. And, you know... If this handsome gentleman with a wicked sense of humour, pretty eyes and an arse I could spank until my hand falls off thinks I'm awesome too, then so much the better. This was Probably True, the award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the award-winning Scott Flashheart. If you liked what you've heard, you could share it with your friends, leave a positive iTunes review and sign up at probablytruepodcast.com. If you didn't like it, you can find me on Twitter as UnlikelyLad. Come at me, bro. As ever, if you want to support us, you can. It's patreon.com forward slash probably true or click on the link at probablytruepodcast.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.